Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria. My name is Marcus, Markus Maurer. I'm uh, here in Berlin at the UCARE, the Urticaria Center of Reference and Excellence at Charité. And guess who I have back with me today? Kieran. Kieran, how are you? Fine, fine. I'm thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Um, our loyal listeners will remember that in episode 40, the two of us already had the pleasure of doing an episode together. Back then we talked about, well, what is it like to have urticaria in India and what is it like to treat urticaria patients in India? You are in India, of course, uh, Kieran. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about where you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am Kiran Gorse, Professor of Dermatology from Diva Patil University School of Medicine, Navi Mumbai, India. And we are the first UK center from India almost many years back. And now we have got four UK centers and we have got many projects to work upon with the, the gallon. Uh, and our primary interest is to treat urticaria in a resource poor setting. That is the thing because every Indian cannot afford the the cyclosporine or omarzumab. So we always want to look out for the other alternative therapies. And that's how these uh, jack inhibitors have come into action. So we can discuss and see how it works and how useful it is and maybe it may come to guidelines in the future. Yes, exactly. Yak and stat inhibition will be our topic today. Um, a frontier, really, when it comes to urticaria. Yak and stat inhibitors are used in several diseases already, also licensed for these diseases. But in urticaria, we do not have a licensed um, medication with that target. But what do we know from clinical practice? Maybe uh, we start with that. I know that you're using some yak and stat inhibitors in urticaria. Kieran, what's your, what is your experience? Yeah, so jack inhibitors are being in India for more than two years, and uh, now the tofacitinib is uh, the one which we have got the original as well as the generic tofacitinib, which is within the patient's reach. Uh, we are primarily using it for the main indications like uh, psoriasis and alopecia area and atopic dermatitis. Mm -hmm. uh, being uh, now, by within one year, we know how it works and what are the side effects which you look out for. Uh, so, this was a trial of using this molecule in Indian patients of urticaria who are not responding to four tablets of antihistamines. And then the question comes to start patient on either omalizumab or cyclosporine or methotrexate. And then this molecule is there in the market, which is available, which is within the reach of most of Indian patients. So we started using this molecule. The preliminary results were exciting. Within two weeks, most of the patients could find good control of the urticaria, which was not there with four tablets of urticaria. Mm -hmm. So then we started working on it, how it works and how it looks, uh, how I think the first study of Jack was uh, in 2018 where ruxolitinib was used in one of the patients from ECTA where they have used it for myelofibrosis and urticaria improved. So that was more of serendipity. And mm -hmm. that's how the Jack inhibitors came into action for uh, urticaria. Then there was one paper in December 2022 by Mansuri et al. where they have used oral tofacitinib again for urticaria and urticaria vasculitis. 
and the results were encouraging and does this journey started of using this molecule uh, for urticaria because just because it's economical available easily and no major uh, side effects although we know how to rule out tuberculosis because that is the most common disease in india and jack inhibitors the commonest thing that they can precipitate tuberculosis and other infections and viral infection like herpes zoster so uh, that is what if you take care of and start the treatment then it does find good response so that was our initial expression and that's how we did this patient four patient study where we used it the results were encouraging in two to four weeks patient did find response out of five four did show response in one patients well it was not so responding so i have an option that i can make it 10 milligram twice a day instead of mm -hmm. five milligram twice a day that is one option or go back to the standard line of therapy like cyclosporine or omalizumab so that we have yet to take a decision maybe you can guide us more about uh, using this molecule and um, utility of this molecule as a typically it has got i don't believe it has got any action on mast cell per se it has got action as i understand from the studies is it suppresses the inflammatory response uh, that is what is being uh, the study has shown exactly exactly yeah. well, well well at least that's one of the mechanisms that's being discussed no but before we talk about mechanisms Karen, let me go back you said so many interesting things uh just to understand you right you see this and use it as an alternative to omalizumab metotrexate and and other immunosuppressants and um, in your patients treated with tofacitinib, is it right? Um, yes. You see a fast response. Can you say something about when the response plateaus? Do they all become complete responders or do they continue to get better until they plateau at a certain response level? What What's your, what's your observation? Yeah, so it is not as fast as cyclosporine. If I give cyclosporine within two days, patient will be complete control here it takes about one to two weeks to show the response okay. so we do tell the patient that it will take some action but at, by two weeks patient does show response in the sense patient continues to take antihistamines but mm -hmm. patient with tofacitinib is free from hives not many hives and uh, patient is really comfortable uh, that is what we found in four out of five patients and uh, well almost two or three months have passed we have not yet reduce uh, uh, antihistaminics we are continuing tofacitinib with four tablets but at the end of two or three months we plan to reduce the uh, antihistaminics to see how it responds mm. and uh, other million dollar question is when do we stop tofacitinib or when do you reduce tofacitinib that yeah. is what happens in all the diseases say it alopecia or psoriasis so again yeah. that also with time will tell us that how long can we give and when to reduce so that maybe that would have been my next question, Kiran. How long did you use it and what happens when you stop? But it's too yeah, early so to say. As, as we have experience in psoriasis, other disease, typically I will not stop suddenly. For three to six months, I plan to give him full dose of five milligram twice a day. And after three to six months, I can make it once a day for another three months and then maybe twice a week and then stop. That is what we do in all other diseases. We don't stop suddenly. And if I stop, obviously, the disease will flare that is for sure so gradual tapering and not very fast after six months i plan to taper it so it is just mm. three months have passed and i am just observing them looking for the side effects typically the infection is the one which uh, we as indians are really worried so we do sure. complete investigations rule out igra that is tb gold test 
and X-ray chest, CBC, and even HIV, HBCG, and HCV also. Um, commonest side effect what we observed in last one year is almost all the patients do get reactivation of herpes zoster within three to six months. Mm. That is sure. Now we have got the vaccine against that, but we are not given these patients. And other thing, uh, what few patients have uh, disease apart from some slight headache and upset stomach, is a, a viral infection like cough and cold, uh, uh, which can be easily treated with the medicines. Uh, well, we know as long-term tofacitinib does give rise to hyperlipidemia and liver enzymes. So every two to three months, we do check for their liver enzymes, lipid profile, creatinine. Because we know these things can go up. We have seen that. So that is what we do every three months. Uh, and uh, we plan to see the response for next three to six months and then consider reducing it to a one tablet a day. Uh, that very is what your plan. Yeah. Oh, Kieran, this is very interesting. Um, look, you know, we all struggle here at the UKARES with patients who are resistant or cannot access uh, uh, omalizumab or any of the other modern treatments. Uh, not that tofacitinib and other YAK-STAT inhibitors are not modern treatment. They're very modern treatment. Um, and to see your results, you know, um, <clears throat> I hear a lot from the UK network, so I know of other colleagues who have a very good experience with this approach. And maybe the one thing, and I'm glad you said that, um, to uh, look out for are the side effects, especially with long-term treatment. Now, we're talking about a disease that can go on for years and years and years. And uh, of course, we want to treat for as long as it takes until the disease goes away by itself. So we have to be ready for long-term treatment and therefore be careful and vigilant of uh, side effects. But very, very interesting. Um, just to remind our listeners, no, this is um, very novel um, and still off-label. Uh, we hope that this sharing of experience by you, Kieran, will bring to the public uh, other case reports that are out there. The experience needs to be published, obviously, and hopefully also clinical trials uh, to be performed. Uh, what do you say? Is that uh, a way forward where we can help? Yeah, so such similar case reports, uh, we have it from India few doctors do, did use this molecule. So we plan to first publish a case report. And then uh, if companies are interested, we can go for a, a trial. Maybe it will be phase three to find out whether it works in a tick area. Uh, as on today, we have got official license for use it only in psoriatic arthritis and some rheumatological diseases. Mm -hmm. uh, but other diseases, uh, well, there are no trials and uh, there is no approval as on today. So that is the case, because getting approval needs a lot of money, and I don't know how many Indian companies will be interested in getting it approved by doing a trial for a large number of patients. Sure, sure. But maybe we can help. I mean, even putting cases together, case series, sharing our experience will put confidence um, that the use is beneficial and and safe, and hopefully will allow patients who otherwise cannot be treated or are treated with drugs that are old and not as uh, beneficial as these newer ones, well, that they will get good treatment. Um, Kieran, 
let's talk a little bit about how this works. I, I understand we do not know how it works, but uh, to our listeners who are not so familiar with Yak and Stutt, um, we're talking about molecules that are inside cells. So these are not receptors or um, mediators that float around in the skin or in the blood. These are inside cells, just like, for example, BTK, Bruton-Styrens in kinase, uh, which is also a target of treatment in chronic spontaneous urticaria, SICK, which is also a target of urticaria treatment. So this class of proteins uh, that are inside of cells, they are very important to regulate the activity of a cell no? or the activation of a cell, I should say. And um, so it makes sense to speculate what cells are we targeting uh, when we do that. And maybe before I let you speculate a little bit more, we know that Yakstat is downstream of cytokine receptors, cytokine receptors, uh, type two cytokines, also other cytokines. But um, of course it comes, um, uh, one, one wonders if it is the cells of the immune system, like B cells and T cells, maybe also, um, mast cells that are the targets of these um, yak stud targeted treatments. What what do you think? Where do you think we change the pathogenesis of uh, chronic urticaria with this approach? So as I believe the these yak inhibitors, what they do is they bind to the yak proteins, and tofacitinib as a yak inhibitors prevents phosphorylation of stat. And tofacitinib prevents translocation of STAT into nucleus and activation of gene transcription. And thus, it downregulates the production of cytokines. So, the all inflammatory mediators are reduced, production is reduced, and thus, there is less inflammation and there is a better mm. symptom control. Now, which cell it is occurring, I, I believe that even mast cell, uh, the same mechanism can work, uh, but I am not sure because I could not find a great uh, study. But yeah, the whole inflammatory cytokine, the whole fire which is there is reduced by when you use uh, yak inhibitors for the treatment. That is my rough uh, understanding of how it's working in urticaria. When you say that, do you then think it could also work in chronic inducible urticaria, like uh, symptomatic demographism and cold urticaria, where we have less of that pronounced inflammatory signature that we see in chronic spontaneous urticaria? Yeah, so those patients, like our patients, one or two patients had dermographism also along with uh, urticaria. So in fact, he, the panel of the patient distinctly told me that, look, his red lines which are coming on his skin also has reduced. So uh, there is some uh, hope that maybe it could work in dermographism and inducible urticarias. Obviously time will tell, but uh, the treatment typically the even the dermographism comes down. That is what we have seen. The red lines when patients scratch also comes down. So that would be funny. Would be fantastic. And I know um, from uh, information shared with me that yes, it is uh, it is possible to treat symptomatic demographism and uh, also other forms of chronic inducible urticaria, even mixed forms with that approach. So I think. <laughs> Um, thank you very much for sharing that information. Number one, uh, very promising, very, very promising. 
uh, and hopefully um, also a call to others, other other colleagues on uh, this podcast to to try if they can and to share their experience so that we can um, all as a community of urticaria treaters benefit from your experience and from the experience of others being shared. And hopefully if there are any listeners out there who work at companies who are developing these medications for them to reach out to us, the UK network to see what can be done to provide more information, more evidence um, um, and, and a higher grade of evidence for the support of the use of these novel drugs in chronic spontaneous urticaria. Kieran, thank you so very, very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, I look forward to seeing you soon in uh, um, Sao Paulo uh, for the UK conference, of course. Everyone is excited. And hopefully for you to share also information on um, tofacitinib and other Yaxstat inhibitors and their role in the treatment of chronic spontaneous urticaria there and elsewhere. I wish you the best of luck with that publication. Um, let's get it out there because this is fascinating new knowledge that must be shared with the community so that we can all benefit from your experience. Thank you, Kiran. Yeah, thank you very much. Looking forward for more studies and maybe more insights into this. Thank you. Super. Folks, this is all the time we have for this episode. Uh, we heard really interesting and first time shared information on the treatment of chronic spontaneous urticaria with YAK-STAT inhibition. And Kieran Godson from India shared with us his experience. If you would like to know more, about this approach. We will put some information in the show notes. You can read up and follow the links. If you like this episode and this is your first episode, then do go back to our previous episodes of All Things Uticaria. There are 64 of them waiting for you. And of course, we are already working on the next one. And if you have a topic, a question, a point of interest that you want us to focus on, in the next episode of All Things Urticaria, do let us know. We'll be happy to pick it up. Looking forward to uh, being connected with you again via All Things Urticaria, your UCARE podcast. And until the next episode, stay well. Bye-bye.